Hello, welcome to the latest episode of NG Meets. This week's guest is Joshua Osoro Pickering, Community Engagement and Participation Officer at Nottingham Castle Trust. And I'm sure you're all aware, um, obviously, that the castle is undergoing quite a lot of work at the moment. Uh, big, biggest, uh, you know, refurbishment in a long, long time at the castle. And it's uh, currently closed, which obviously arguably has been has been great timing for it given everything that's happened and we do talk about that in the show um, no doubt i'm sure you've all seen you were all you all saw the castle when it was uh in, in covering uh scaffolding and the like it was like a very strange sight to see when you looked up uh, from the outskirts of the city i know i often saw it on castle marina bridge and it was very weird um but there's some huge stuff going on there and we talk about about what they've got coming up we talk about the the plans for the castle reopening in february next year uh, that there's still the plans the work's still going ahead you know ongoing so but obviously there will be considerations to be taken depending on uh, where the the guidelines and situation finds ourselves in that time we also had a chat about the work that josh has been doing during this time in terms of uh, still being able to get activities and reaching out to people and uh, things have been doing there during the virus. Josh only started in the role in January, so it's been quite an interesting and un- unexpected experience for him. So we've, been, we've talked about some of the stuff they've got going on there, the plans going forward, uh, the importance of of the castle engaging the community and some of the work. Josh talks about some of the work he did prior to starting at the castle and his work involved in local communities and schools and his importance of uh, of making sure all people get to experience the castle and its history and so there's fascinating stuff to talk about there and we also as well had a chat about the football uh, both being lower league fans I'm a Knotts fan he's a Mansfield fan we had a chat about what it's been like not having football and uh, you know how much we're looking forward to that coming back and obviously a little bit about the impact that's had on people I think it's underestimated, but it was a fascinating chat. It's really exciting thinking about what we're going to see from the castle. Such a focal point that's maybe not been celebrated in the way it should. So it's it's an exciting time moving forward. And it's going to be interesting. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this episode. As I've got all episodes available at ngdigital.podbean.com, uh, including recent episodes with Knott's Trans Hub. Uh, in Notts, Nottingham Refugee Week, uh, My House, Your House, Sharewear, Clothing, and a whole host of other groups to speak to. Uh, next, we're going to be in next week's episode, we'll be with uh, Jasbinda Bilan, who is a uh, award winning author. So that'll be a fascinating chat. We'll be talking about her work and her new book that's due out. So tune into that one next week. And check out, you know, give us a share, spread the word. Uh, we've got plenty of shows we're working on. Let us know what you think, give us a review. And uh, don't forget you can check us out. Facebook is uh, ng- at facebook.com forward slash ngdigital and Twitter at ngdigitaluk. So uh, many thanks. Enjoy this episode. This is NG Meets Josh Osoro Pickering.
Hello, welcome to another episode of NG Meets. And today I'm here with Josh Asoro Pickering, who is the Community Engagement and Participation Officer at Nottingham Castle Trust. So uh, first off, Josh, thanks a lot for joining us this afternoon. Thanks a lot. Yeah, cheers for having me. Um, no. Yeah, the job title's a bit bit of a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't always get it right myself, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, I guess that just encompasses um, how much it covers, I suppose. Um, not even actually yeah it, it, it <laughs> covers like a few parts of the many many things that we do yeah. but yeah yeah um when i was one thing i didn't realize until i was sort of looking into this and researching for today was i didn't realize um how recently you came into this role. was it sort of the beginning only the beginning of this, this year that you took on that role is that yeah. correct um yeah yeah i i joined in january mm. So, yeah, it's um, not long at all, really. Yeah. Yeah. So you 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 came in while the while obviously the castle was already uh, closed for the the what the ongoing works. Um, but I guess I mean obviously you couldn't have expected exactly what the first six months would bring you in this new job. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been it's been complete, obviously unprecedented um, for everybody. But um, for me, it's been been especially uh, unusual because I was absolutely delighted to get this job. This is uh, like a dream, a dream role for me, really, as a, a history buff, but also um, someone with a, a passion for community work and for this city, um, and for this to be like the this being the the new um, great like big project in the city that's going to transform. Um, tourism and culture and the way we tell our history and, and take pride in telling our history um this was for me was perfect um and it also followed a long period for me of kind of just doing doing little jobs here and there and working in communities and working for organizations but never having the security of like a long-term um contracted salary really um i, I can't remember when i when i had one of those before this um i've worked abroad and worked in this city um, but always doing kind of shorter jobs, um, doing zero hour contracts, uh, temp work, all kinds of different things that don't really offer much security. And then coming into this job, uh, absolutely delighted to get it in January. And then six weeks, I think, into it um, is when we <laughs> when we had the lockdown. I actually went off work a week before that um, with symptoms uh, before the official lockdown, before schools closed or anything like that. So yeah, it was it was into the unknown, but yeah, that we found quickly that um, a lot of the work that we could still do during this uh, this period was possible from home. So I've been working full time from home throughout it, um, and strangely, I think I found myself more productive because of um, just just having the flexibility and the time to to get things done. Um, not to say it's been easy. We've got kids here as well, and my yeah. partner works full time as well. Um, so it's been unusual and been interesting trying to adapt to, to different things that occurred during during the lockdown. But in terms of the job, yeah, it's it was from the high of um, getting the job and then learning all about the project and getting really deep into the, the kind of mountains of work that we have to do, which I do do with, with pleasure. It's, it's all really interesting stuff and I, and I really like it. But then having this kind of spanner thrown into the works and then adapting to that. But yeah, it's been fun, kind of the challenge of adapting to it as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, I guess that it's about as big a challenge as you can get in in this kind of role. And it was, um, as I've said, as quite quite a lot in conversations I've had with people, it was so fast. Um, you know, although although you know, I think, like you said, you 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 know, you had symptoms prior to it, and I think we all knew a lockdown was coming. But even so, it was very much like, right, as of tomorrow, everything stops. So yeah. there wasn't really, it's not like you had a sort of a four-week time to um, to plan and integrate new systems or things like that. So it was... No, but we've got, um, we were kind of learning this. I was, at least me and, and one other colleague who started, started at the same time as me, were, were kind of learning the systems anyway um, for the first time. We were still very much, and we still are in the in the learning period of, of of knowing everything that's going on on the project. But yeah, we were we're also lucky to have um, a really good team, really good good CEO Sarah Blair Manning, who gave us the time to kind of work things out and was was very good about our um, our health being a priority and yeah. and taking care when we didn't know what it was. We didn't. We I guess we still don't really know what it is, do we? But yeah. That's that's still the the message that we get um, from above is that we we take care of ourselves, um, and that's helped us as well to, to to focus when we when we need to on the work, feeling secured in um, in knowing that that we're supported and that the um, the work's going to get done anyway. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's um it's a good place to work. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think it's it's easy to underestimate how important that is, isn't it? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there. That don't have that um, that feeling that that their best interests are necessarily being taken into consideration. So it's mm. it's so important to know that you know you've got that support you know, coming down the chain. Um, I think you're going to see that with with the post COVID period, and I've I've got friends who I've spoken to who work for organisations that aren't as supportive or aren't as flexible. Um, I won't name names, but yeah, there are there are organisations out there who don't um, who who haven't prioritised their their workforce, and I think you're going to see that in the post-COVID world when those those organisations get left behind and people are just people aren't going to want to work for them, and yeah, it'll become known. People will know who those those companies are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, it's, this is a long, still a long process ahead. And I think that one of the things that I think is the most unnerving of it is is the open-endedness of it you know although we're seeing mm. certain things easing um and you know everyone i think it's got a few points on whether it's the right time for that or not what should be happening but even so there's still at the moment you you, you can't focus there's not even a real date you can say right target this date and then things can move forward we you know we don't know if there's going to be a second wave seems likely <laughs> and yeah, i mean you know so. yeah we don't know situation regarding treatments vaccines and anything like that so it's it's very difficult isn't it when you don't have you don't have an end sort of insight it's, mm. it's kind of like going down a, a tunnel and not knowing how long that tunnels until you come out into the sun again so to speak yeah and there'll be those those who who adapt best will have flexible enough structures i suppose um or adopt them who who survive it or who do best out of it really um 
obviously yeah there are there are some organizations that are set up there for that kind of thing and others yeah. some are more rigid but yeah i think I, I appreciate being in an organization where um not only is it is it more flexible um i think naturally but also that it comes down from from those above who who want it to to work in that way and they they appreciate us and they they know what the right way about it is i think yeah that said though the we are working to um to time frames to deadlines and at the end of the day we are at the mercy of of this thing and and when it changes or or what comes next and we we don't know so we can plan for different eventualities and we can think about um what might happen but yeah we don't really know and anything could happen we 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 hope to open in february 2021 all the works on time um where we're still sticking to that date despite um probably slight delays to to the construction work but it's it's not to the point where it's going to change the date of our opening the only thing really that would do that is a second wave perhaps in in winter but yeah we can't do anything about that now so yeah nah. we're just we're just cracking on yeah i think that's all you can do and like i say it's you know we talked to a few people about you know next year and even then you even then you sort of saying everything when you talk about anything next year even then you kind of put in a a sort of disclaimer on it you say you know saying subject i know subject to to change at any time um it's yeah. you know you'd like to think like you say february that's still what eight nine months away but you know we didn't six seven months ago we never anticipated this happening so you just don't know do you <laughs> so very that's it so obviously that's life i suppose isn't it for a lot I, of people you don't you don't know what's going to come and things can come along that just change things it's just that this has happened on a, a massive scale to everyone at, at one time <laughs> that's <laughs> it weird. yeah and it's very weird because i think if you look at some of the um when you start looking at the experts and past they've, there's been a lot of people predicting something like this but obviously it wasn't um it still came as something that we i guess we're just not expecting this day and age. We 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 kind of think we can't. I guess we get comfortable with this idea that we're adapting mm. to situations. And we've obviously had things in the past, you know, swine flu and bird flu and things like that, where although they had an impact, they, it was never like this. This sort of global yeah, I mean, shutdown was. I think the, this is ex- yeah. It's, it's obviously exposed the kind of fragility of a lot of our systems. Um, and yeah, really highlighted a lot of the inequalities as well that that exist in the way that things are here, the way think that the way our system works. Um, and yeah, there was a definitely a level of complacency about how fragile that could be and and what could um, come along and just upset it. I guess, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, I mean, so talking about obviously the castle itself was already closed uh, and you know was never going to open this year anyway which i guess in a way i i guess has somewhat mitigated the impact it might have had because obviously the lack of visitors etc would already have been uh, accounted for and costed for um so yeah. in terms of that i guess yeah, that's somewhat of because had the castle been open, I guess it, it could have been far more uh, serious in terms of the impact it would have had 
Yeah, Definitely. Um, you're seeing that with, with organisations that have been open throughout and are really struggling or have been um, operational anyway and then had to shut down. Um, and they're really struggling and it's only been this week that they've received any kind of sign of, of government assistance with yeah. the 1.5 billion um, pound injection into the, the art sector. But yeah, it's, we'll, we'll see what happens with that and, um, and how that, that can be help, helpful to those organisations most of the city are in that situation. We're, we're fortunate in that we have, obviously, as you say, um, planned for this period of closure, um, the funding to, to pay for the, the project, the regeneration project was already, already locked in. Um, and again, I feel really lucky to be kind of secured in a, in a, in a role for the next, well, it's just over a year now, I've still got left on my contract, an, an 18 month contract I'm on. So to have that, locked in by funding and, and secured I feel lucky and then on a bigger scale for the project it it doesn't affect it in that way but that I mean we are looking ahead to what the the realities will be once we do open in February and if this this situation is still going if social distancing is still in place if um, the number of foreign tourists to the city um, are down or non-existent then those things have an impact on how many people we bring onto the site how much uh, revenue we can generate and then how much goes into all of the projects and, and the work on site that we do yeah of course and, and there's obviously as we know there's gonna be a massive uh, probably generational uh, economic knock-on from this um, and that's obviously going to impact how, how people go out and uh, and spend their money and spend their days which again could have an impact because if people are are still you know there's going to be people that are still anxious depending on where we are then people are still going to be anxious about get, gathering in in large groups but also you know it's a lot of people are going to still be anxious about their the situation economically which is again mm-hmm. is going to have a, a big impact on entertainment and tourism sectors so yeah, it, we, yeah. we've got to respond to that we we have to respond to that with um with assistance really we we, we need to look at our role as an arts and heritage organization in the recovery from from this both economically um and in terms of health and well-being um, the arts can play a massive role in in people's mental health and well-being and it's something that we're going to definitely focus on we've got really good outdoor spaces as well um which come with a, a number of health benefits mentally and physically um the use of which those but also, yeah, looking at the economic side of, of things, if people are in, if people are struggling in, in real difficulty financially, they're not going to want to come and spend money at a museum, are they? It's not going to be on everybody's priority list. And yeah, we have to, we have to respond to that. Uh, there are already plans for us, even though it is going to be a ticketed uh, thing, the, the price hasn't been decided yet. But even despite that, the, yeah, we're, we're planning on doing a lot with uh, low-income families for reductions in free tickets for certain groups as well. So I think we have to look closely at the situation. We have to see how it evolves and we have to respond accordingly to that so that people aren't left out and that we are inclusive and that people from uh, low-income families or areas of the city where there is more deprivation and um, more of a an effect really is felt financially from this in those areas we aren't leaving those people behind and saying oh 
right well you can't afford to come therefore you're not you're not in there has to be a response to that from us yeah definitely i know i think it's brilliant that that's something that's being looked at and i think and often what goes under we, we see a lot obviously uh you know a lot of us have been lucky particularly when it was nicer that despite the lockdown we've still been able to you know go out in gardens uh you know local areas for walks and things but there are a lot of people that are living in places where there isn't a garden um and and things like that you know high-rise uh, blocks and places like that 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 are going to need um these opportunities to try and get out for, for their mental you know for the their mental health as much as anything and as you say one of the things the castle has is is a brilliant open area to walk around and things like that and just the whole area around it um you know the whether you've got the statue all that and the, the grounds around it and i think uh, making it accessible for people to come is going to be yeah. going to be key because obviously there's a lot of people particularly in the inner city areas that that um that don't have you know the big gardens that i think a lot of people maybe take for granted during this period yeah that's that's exactly right yeah we've we've got the the grounds which are part of the ticketed offer but then there is um yeah those those walls the the outside walls that you're talking about the run along um castle road uh near the statue and we're planning on some some exciting stuff for those walls um looking at uh, projections and displays along there um we've also got the waterworks building at the bottom of castle road and castle boulevard and house yard so there are plans um, being developed for that but the there's the outdoor space there by the brew house yard as well which we're hoping to use for for events and all kinds of different things so yeah yeah we're, we're constantly um trying to think of different scenarios and respond to to the, to the latest information that we have really um and think about how we can adapt our spaces and adapt our our projects to to best suit the the needs that arise during the um, the changes to COVID, yeah. Yeah, excellent. So moving on from that, obviously, as we say, you've you've been able to keep to keep working during this period, and I was having a look at the uh, the blog that you've got on the um, the, the website, which is NottinghamCastleTrust.org, mm. and I've seen a few of the things you've been doing there. Uh, like you had a you've got a thing up with information on the sort of key members of the Robin Hood and the gang. Uh, which I yeah. thought was quite it's quite interesting little sort of I guess t- uh, biographies maybe kind of thing telling you the key points yeah. of that which I thought was quite interesting and you've got a few other things one of the things I saw you've got the uh, the new thing about the grads uh, the, the grads, grads for knots thing which I think is a recent thing and the uh, voices of today yeah as well as that so what kind of so- what's been the sort of idea behind the kind of activities you've been trying to get out there, you know, that people can engage in during this period? Yeah, that's, that's been one of the things that we've obviously had to kind of adapt to, um, how, how we engage our audiences and how we get things out to people, um, while they're locked down. And so early on in the, in the lockdown period, we were, we were looking at how we kind of put stuff up on our our website, how we blog it, how we put social media out that, um, invites people to take part in activities um my colleague gareth who um is the learning officer he's he's brilliant he's come up with all of these um 
learning activities that are on the blog that you've just mentioned. And yeah, we, we started off putting them all on, on there. And then um, we didn't want to exclude anybody, obviously. And there are lots of people that are out there who, who don't necessarily have access to the things that we do digitally. Um, they don't have Wi-Fi, perhaps, or even the technology to access things. So we um, came to the realization that we need to just be giving physical things out as well. So we started working on packs, activity packs. We joined up a few times with some different people, different organizations, partners in communities who um, helped to put packs together and to distribute them. And so we've sent out, um, well, just in, just in the last week, I've sent 150 activity packs for the summer holidays to Bullwell Academy. Um, we did that, uh, did a similar thing to that a week ago, but uh, for a, a community group that work with the Roma community in Heisen Green um, called Idea Rom. And for that, we did five activities. Some of them were adapted from those activities you just mentioned that were on online and they were adapted so that we could just print them off, uh, make a, a nice pack together and print them off. And so that one was translated into Romanian and then taken out. Um, and prior to that, the biggest kind of um, lockdown activity that we've done and taken out to people was the, uh, the distribution of the Nottingham Catch Fly project, which my uh, colleague, the, the volunteer manager, Pippa, um, was, was leading on and, and I, we worked on that together. And yeah, for that, we, we've got this um, really interesting story with the Nottingham Catch Fly plant, which is a really beautiful flower, a white flower that grows, well, it used to grow, sorry, um, in the grounds of Nottingham Castle. And for a hundred years, just over a hundred years, um, it hasn't been there. And we don't really know the, the origins of how it got to, to the castle site, but one of the theories is that in the construction of the Ducal Mansion, um, a couple of hundred years prior to, to when it stopped growing, um, that was brought over from Derbyshire in the rock that was quarried from there. Um, so somehow it, it arrived here and it, and it grew up um, around the castle grounds. And yeah, it became known, known as Nottingham Catchfly, which is just a version of the, the wider Catchfly family. And yeah, it, it, isn't, it isn't around anymore. So we wanted to bring it back. And the idea was that we would do a call out for people who were interested in getting some seeds. We found a distributor that could bring us some seeds for it. Um, we would give them instructions. We would send it out to people, tell them how to grow it. And included in the pack was a, a little peat-free pellet that they could kind of put the, the seeds in and then, and then grow it from there. And then we wanted them to get it up to a good size, show us photos, send us things in of, of the progress of it. And then eventually the plan is for them to bring it back to the castle for a, a big replant, a replanting ceremony. And so the initial call out for that, which was I think only 150, um, went in about 24 hours and we thought right we need to get this out even further so we managed to get more seeds from the uh, distributor and we ended up doing nearly a thousand out to well to a thousand households a yeah. uh, thousand packs that is out all over the city and we worked with uh, distributors um, who were community organizations such as renewal trust uh, play and youth and they got it out to, to all kinds of places all, all over the city. Um, and they were already doing packs. So a lot of organizations were starting to move that way and starting to do physical things where they literally deliver it to their doorsteps. Yeah. And so that was, that was what we did with that. We kind of just 
provided it for those those organizations to put into their bags that they delivered and it was a great way of getting it out so we're really yeah we're, we're hoping that uh, a lot of people will come back with their their nottingham catch flies and, and come back for the replanting ceremony um and we'll make the the grounds look really nice yeah brilliant excellent i think it's, it's great and, and giving people those kind of projects at this time as well i think is is so important because a lot of people um I can't can in a way can be at sort of a loss at the moment, as I said earlier, you know, particularly with the open endedness of this. And I think having projects and things you can focus on can be really, really helpful. But you know, at a time when in some for some people days are almost you know, merging into just like one long uh, continuous blob. It's it's nice to have, mm-hmm. you know, things you can concentrate on. Where, where you can say right well, i need to do this on this day and i need to do and being able to to make targets and goals and things like that so having those kind of opportunities i think mm. is well, we try, sorry okay. go ahead sorry i was just gonna say we, yeah we to follow on from that we were trying to do like a variety of different things try and try and mix it up quite a lot so some of it was art based some of it was um political some of it looked at um the idea of kind of local identity and Nottingham being a rebel city yeah. and the history of that and what it means today. Um, but yeah, having something to do every day and, and to, to see as a, a work in progress was more of the idea with the catchfly, with Nottingham catchfly, because it's something that you have to kind of tend to and nurture and develop over a period of time. Um, yeah. So that was a, a well-received one, definitely. Yeah. Excellent. Obviously, as you say, the, the plan at the moment is the castle to reopen um, in February. And obviously at the moment, it's difficult to know how or what that will entail. But what can you sort of tell us about the plans in place for the, for the, you know, for the kind of ideas that are being worked on? Because obviously the castle... Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be big. It's going <laughs> to knock everyone's socks off, to be honest. Like I, I, I'm really passionate about it. I, I can't believe the scale of it, the ambition of it. Um, and it's not anything against what was previously there. Uh, it's not to knock the, the role of the castle prior to this regeneration. It's always been a, an important part of, of Nottingham's cultural landscape, but this is going to be something that's never been seen before. It's the, the money, the, the plans, the, the scale of, external projects as well through community work and learning um and i really i really believe that even despite the the setbacks that we might have with covid that this is going to change the landscape it's going to really put nottingham more on the map as well regionally and nationally and um yeah it's, it's really exciting there's um if, if yeah if you want to know about the actual content within um everything's gone out so everything was taken out in a big decant of, of all the objects that were that were on display. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's into the thousands um, as to how many went out, and something like five or six hundred are going back in, from what I from what I understand. So that means that there's going to be a lot of support from audio and visual stuff, uh, interactive and hands-on um, exhibits and things that you can. Can get involved with physically we'll have um, interactive games like uh, bow and arrow um, target shooting and quarter staff fighting 
uh, as, as well as tabletop games that people can stand over and, and kind of like, like video games, but they, they can manipulate with a joystick. And then there'll be other stuff like how to build pots and, and you can use your hands to do that in the, um, the craft and making uh, section of the, of the museum. There'll be a dedicated gallery at the bottom where there used to be this old car park and a, and a nice kind of tunnel that led up to it that's, that's going to have the feel of a, a kind of secret entry into the castle. And so that, that gallery at the bottom is going to be our Robin Hood and medieval gallery um, with, with learning rooms around the sides of it. And that's, that's going to be one of, our, uh, one of our most attractive spaces, I think, and, and schools and, and young people are really going to like that. Um, and then we've got a, a new dedicated rebellion gallery as well. And that again is part of the whole emphasis on Nottingham being the rebel city, um, having a proud history of rebellion and looking at historic episodes in there, such as the, the Chartists, the Luddites, um, the, 19, uh, sorry, the 1831 Reform Bill riots where the castle itself was burned to the ground by, by a mob. Um, and looking at all of all of the episodes um, in our history and how that relates now to uh, a continued um, rebelliousness that we have in Nottingham, which I'm certainly proud of, um, and I know that everyone on the project is, and it's and it's something that we we think could be made more of um, in the city. So yeah, that's that's going to be at the forefront. And, and for the first year, our um, our theme for work is is rebellion. So we we're kind of Kind of try to to fit in a bit of rebellion into everything we do, not just the the, the rebellion yeah. gallery, uh, which is quite fun. Yeah, I think, and I think that's something. It does feel like that's something that has has got become more of a focus in the city in the last few years. Um, the sort of rebelliousness of Nottingham. Um, you know, we've seen like I think, uh, you know, down near the station, there was the big rebel writers, uh, yeah. sort of mural or posters and things like that and obviously um you know left line for example they've been running during the lockdown they've been running a regular uh rebel nottingham sort of um feature talking about some of the yeah, rebels food and that's I'm, with us yeah is that with you okay. um, yeah yeah so that's as part of the voices of today project which is a, a film that i'm going to be working on this year with with left line um to to tell really the story of of Nottingham's rebelliousness with a particular focus on on more contemporary um, examples but yeah during the lockdown we decided that what we would do is uh, send out lots of remote activities online and attach them to a series of articles about famous rebels from Nottingham who or who have a connection to Nottingham um, so we've seen some really good ones so far um, like sort of uh, Brian Clough um, uh, D.H. Lawrence is coming up, I believe. Um, obviously, talk about the, the rebel writers. Alan Stiletto has already been done as well. Um, and then, yeah, just a, a, a wide range of, of rebels from all kinds of backgrounds as well. And, yeah, we just wanted to, to celebrate it uh, a bit more, but also put the activities onto it to build appetite um, with, with the population of the city for this, uh, this film that we're going to be doing as well. Excellent, brilliant. And it's, that's been quite interesting because I think it also shows the scope of of what being a rebel can cover. And I think, like, for, I think I think there was one. It might have been today or in the last couple of days. Where I think it was a a rights law, a human rights lawyer or activist that was in a recent one. So it's it's showing the sort of scope 
and the, the, you know there's so many areas you can you can rebel in um, so yeah there's 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 all kinds yeah um we've got activists um lgbtq plus activists um race um racial equality um champions we've got um everything yeah like you say um human rights lawyer um football manager <laughs> yeah. uh, every kind of walk of life really and th that's the thing is that people's ideas and definitions of what a rebel is change and they are they are different um it to one person it might be someone who very very visibly and physically stands up to something oppressive and and fights against it to somebody else it might be um a rebellion in the mind um where their their mere existence is a, an act of rebellion maybe because they're um from a minority group in a in a very different world and they exist and succeed in that world and their their work every day of their existence is is a an act of rebellion so yeah there, there are multiple definitions of it and we didn't want to say it was only one thing so yeah we're, we're trying to broaden it as much as possible um, but yeah, I do, I do think that Nottingham is a, a hotbed for it and, um, yeah, our, our histories and our, our narratives are all the better for it really. Yeah. And it's, I say, it feels like the last few years things have changed, but it does feel like we've not always been uh, the best at, at celebrating our history. Um, you know, obviously Robin Hood has, has generally been the, almost, you know, the, the, for what Nottingham is known. You know, perhaps with Brian Clough as well, and the, the obviously the Forest team of the the late seventies, early eighties. Um, but even then, you see a lot of obviously a lot of people talking about how we don't make enough of of Robin Hood in the city uh, these yeah. days. You know, I know when I was a, I remember when I was a kid, I remember you know the tales of Robin Hood, mm. um, places like that with the, the really weird sort of uh, ride thing that went round in there. But it's um, <laughs> yeah. It's often said it's, that it's true. I, yeah. I I came here as well when I was a kid. I, I grew up in London, but like my family is from Mansfield, so I was actually born in Mansfield. And I came here as a kid to visit family, and went to the Tales of Robin Hood, and visited the castle as well. And that that inspired me to kind of get into the history in the first place, which is has come full circle to me working here. Um, but it's true that yeah, there hasn't really been that much apart from everything being named after Robin Hood or the people from that story. Um, there hasn't been much real, real advantage taken on, um, on that, that story. Um, I can't agree with you on um, Forrest not being kind of taken uh, seriously or, or, or made, made the most of. So, no, Forrest I wasn't. Never, never stopped talking no, about that. Sorry, what, <laughs> sorry when I was talking about Forrest, I meant it's along with Robin Hood, it's what the city is best known for. Sure. Not, yeah. not that it not that it wasn't acknowledged enough. I was I was saying it was if there's two things that they definitely people, acknowledge it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. Believe me. <laughs> so, are, you, are you a Forest fan? No, I'm not. No. So, so, oh, are you? Okay. Yes, right. and I'm aware that you're uh, Mansfield. So. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I'm a Bristol <laughs> fan. Yeah. You're having a better time of it than us at the minute. I think so. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, obviously, for football, it's a bit, bit strange as well. Yes, um, yeah. Having to adapt and and see what what's what. But um, Mansfield are in a fortunate position in that they've got owners who who do 
uh, have the club's best interests at heart and are willing to put in the money for infrastructure, training yeah. ground, youth system, and to, and to buy players and to get good players in. And it hasn't really, they haven't had the, the success that I don't think that they deserve um, yet in, in a few near misses of going up to League One. But yeah, they're, they're pushing again for it. They've made a few signings already in the, in the lockdown period. But yeah, hopefully Notts will, will be back. Um, they've got their playoff yeah, uh, date confirmed now. Hopefully they'll be back for, for a derby, which would be great. I mean, it's been very weird, as like you said, with the football. And I'm sure you've, like me, you're, you're, you're massively missing it. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it's this, this, it's very strange. I mean, I've been watching a bit of it on, you know, on TV. Um, but it's, it's the whole, we've got the playoffs coming. And it's almost like, you know, I, I was getting excited about the chances. It was starting to look like chances to go to Wembley this year. Because obviously not as well as, uh, you know, they look like they're going to get in the playoffs, whatever happened. But then they're also in the semi-finals in the FA Trophy. I mean, and I, I've, been oh, to, I've been to Wembley to see them. Well, in the since the night, so it was pre the new Wembley. <laughs> yeah. Finally, the opportunity looks like it's coming, and even if they do, we're not actually going to get to go. So they go twice in one year. And yeah, they go, get to go yeah, and that'll be it then. They'll know, you know, they'll probably never go again for another two decades <laughs> or something. But um, obviously, it's you know, I laugh about that, but obviously, the, the football is is not high on the list of you know no. the priorities. But no. it's, it's it's strange and it's weird, um, you know, we're, we're, we're still talking about what might happen this season despite the fact we're in July and I mean, I don't even know when are we looking, you know, when we're going to be looking at the next season starting or anything like that, you know, we'd, not, we'd all normally be getting I do think though that I do think there is something to be said though for, I know it's not, if we're talking about literally the the big things that matter and life and death and health and and jobs and economic security, um, then sure, yeah, we can say that for, for many people, football is a, like a luxury. But for a lot of people, especially at smaller clubs, at, at clubs like Knotts or Mansfield, there's a community built around that. Yeah. And there are jobs at stake yeah. and livelihoods at stake through this, through this period. And for a lot of people, especially um, people living alone in isolation who have felt this this situation um, much worse than, than many or people suffering from uh, mental health issues um, and people who, who depend on that community this has been a, a really hard time for them so I, I really hope it comes back for those reasons and to be honest I don't I don't go to football for the quality of it obviously <laughs> being a Mansfield fan I, <laughs> I don't go for it, to it for anything else really than the sense of community that I get from it and, yeah, and I have a strong, a strong attachment to that side of my my heritage. Um, my dad's family are from the Mansfield area, were a coal mining family, and I've been going there to watch to watch the Stags at Field Mill since I was five years old. So this year was my my thirtieth anniversary of, of being a Stags fan, and I, I was going with my granddad when he was alive, and my dad, who I still go with, and I see people who recognised me from the nineties. And yeah. say, oh, I remember you when you were this high, and it's, <laughs> it's a community. Yeah. You, oh yeah, I mean, it means a lot to a lot of people. You know, like I said, um, you know, being being a lower league football fan, there's probably more in terms of on the pitch. There's probably more lows than highs, and all. But there's 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 something special in there about that that you know post mortem after the match, 
yeah. where you know when all when all you can all sit around and point out every single thing they did wrong, <laughs> or you know, or, yeah, or how the referees once again screwed you over and etc. Et you know, <laughs> but you know what you know, Alan Hardy's doing with his uh, Twitter well, account. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm quite relieved. That, I might sound bad, but I'm quite relieved this didn't happen this time last year because I'm not sure Knox would have come out of the other end of it. Um, yeah, fortunately, we appear to be in much safer hands. Mm. Uh, now, um, obviously, it's, it's no football club expected this, and I think there's going to be a lot of problems in the lower and non leagues. I mean, we've already seen. I'm sure you've seen Wigan, obviously. Yeah, and I think yeah, there's a few clubs. Yeah, that are going to struggle. Yes, yeah, and it, I know one knows, and that obviously, the longer it goes on, and again, it's then about it's about getting people comfortable with going back out when it is back as well. And it's not just about opening the grounds. It's about people have got to feel that it's safe to go out at that point. Yeah. There's talk about reduced capacities. Maybe there's, they've tried to do that in, or they're going to try and do that in Germany. Maybe I think it is or or some country. We've, um, been do- but, we've been doing that anyway at Knott's. <laughs> I was going to say, there's plenty of space if we want to spread yeah. out at Mansfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, one of my kids joked that what, about why, if Knott's got to Wembley, why we couldn't go anyway, because we could easily have two metres between us. Yeah, so, <laughs> we have a block each. <laughs> yeah. but, so, um, yeah. but obviously, you, you mentioned at the beginning how, how excited you were to take on this role, and obviously it's been very different to what you imagined you've been in some ways been very different but you know in many ways you're still working on the same kind of project um and you, you also said obviously you've always had a passion for history and um yeah. so can what was it that that sort of drew drew you to the to the history is it is it something that was from as a kid i mean i know you mentioned yeah coming to nottingham and the tales of robin hood and things like that is that is that where you've always yeah, seen yourself going? Yeah, in a way, yeah. That's that was like the first point, really. Where I don't know how old I was, maybe six or seven years old, and yeah, I came here. I came with my granddad, the uh, the guy who worked in the pit near Mansfield, who I was just talking about. Yeah, and took me to football. He, he took me to Nottingham Castle uh, and to the Tales of Robin Hood, and following that. I had my little wooden bow and arrow and my, my felt <laughs> yeah. hat. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to to know more about medieval history in particular. And so I think I got one of those kind of kings and queens books or or something like that that kind of told me a bit more about, about the monarchs at the time. Um, learned a bit more about it, got more and more into it. And by the time I was um, at A-levels, I was, I was doing history A-level. And then did history and politics at uni when I came back to Nottingham for the first time, which was 2002. Came back to do my um, my undergrad degree, and it's always been a been a passion. Wherever I've gone on holiday, um, I've, I've wanted to find the nearest local kind of historical historically interesting place. Um, I've, I've all the books I read are, are pretty much history related. I've, yeah, it, it's just been been my thing for forever really and so this is ideal for me um yeah. but it also marries up other interests of mine so later i mean I, I would say no not not later necessarily um I, I grew up in east london in a very diverse community there um very mixed with people from every nationality yeah. you can imagine um but i've always had a strong um a strong 
connection through my upbringing to my African heritage as well. So I, my my mum's family are from Kenya, and we've always, well, she's always done a lot to to make sure that we are in touch with our our Kenyan heritage and our family over there and in this country, and that's through food, music, art, everything, and so I felt a part of a, a wider. I felt a strong part of a wider African and Caribbean community down there in, in East London where yeah. I lived. And I didn't necessarily think that it was something as a kid, you don't really know what can kind of lead to careers or not, but that, that never crossed my mind until much later that that could be something that I could feed into, to a career like this. Um, history seemed a, a lot more kind of tangible or a lot more, uh, much more of a, a kind of uh, traditional more traditional route into to some kind of work i didn't think that being uh, part of uh, a black community and celebrating the, the cultures from from that community would be something to lead into a career like this and I, I did always think it would be something kind of educational i worked in education in various forms for for most of my adult life um but then it wasn't until yeah until I came to Nottingham really that I started working with communities here and I worked at New Art Exchange in Heysen Green, oh, yeah. an organisation whose who's whole existence, whole, whole raison d'etre is about um, diversity and representing diverse arts and, and people from diverse backgrounds um, in those arts and those communities. So yeah, working there was a big influence on, on me and then working in schools in the city, uh, Genobi City Academy I worked at and Rose Hill Special Needs School. Um, so working in those those areas and getting to know the communities of the the people in those areas, St Anne's and Ice and Green played a big part as well. Um, and so yeah, it married up my my passion really for community work, my my much kind of more long-standing or or defined passion for history, um, and then events as well. I'm going to be doing a lot of kind of putting on events, late night stuff, community events. Um, I've put on music and, and arts events previously. So, so that kind of uh, fed into that, that side of my interests as well. Yeah. And it's, yeah, just, just networking as well and knowing what's going on in the city and getting out and about. That's, that's what I love, meeting interesting people as well. So, yeah, it's, it's all kind of led to, to this role, which for me seems like the perfect yeah. role. Yeah. And and to be at to be at that role at the forefront of like a new a new dawn for the the castle as well. Um, so you you know you're part of this sort of whole new next stage in in the castle mm. and 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 what it's what it's gonna what it's gonna be and and how people are gonna experience it, which you've said is obviously a, a lot of new things happening there. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's always been a obviously a, a, a focal point. You know, anyone that oh, I mean, I think it's it's going up in Nottingham. You know, remembers things like the the pageant there. You know, and the the days. You know, I, I used to love going down and all the little sort of huts that they used to have out where you could do the different medieval activities, the jousting, and even like just going up and you know being able to see across the entire city. Yeah, you know, from the the top with the uh, the telescopes. I mean, you know, I used just to go up there and right. you know spot meadow laying and things like that. Um, it's, yeah. it's I think if for me for me it's somewhere that brings back you know 
memories of days out with grandparents, especially with my grandma and things like that. So it's, I think, it's going to be ex- really exciting to see, to see what they do with it. I mean, I used to like going to the light night when they used to put projections up on mm. the side as well. It's been very weird it not, yeah, being, not being open as well. It's, um, yeah, I don't know whether it's whether there's been another period where it's not been open uh, like this perhaps during the war i don't know um but yeah it's it's exciting to be involved in this kind of latest version this latest um incarnation really of of the castle i mean it's been through a few it's been a medieval one back from 1068 and then a um a ruin and a ducal palace and then that got burnt down and it was kind of the grounds were kind of open and overgrown and people were just having their picnics and in, enjoying themselves um, and then being turned in the mid 19th century into um, a museum, an art gallery, um, which, which it still is. But this is the, the first really, really big overhaul of that and renovation of that. And it's, it's going to obviously have some resemblance to the themes and some of the things that came there before. And obviously the collection, the collections that we're using are largely the same, but, they're being reimagined in much more exciting, much more visual, um, more tactile ways that I think are, are going to transform the opinion of, of it and really put it um, at the heart of the, the cultural sector in the city. Yeah. And it obviously is, you know, it is, it is in the middle of the city as well, which, you know, often those kind of places aren't, but, you know, that is such a, a great focal point. And it's, I think it's, it's such a, a key part of not just Nottingham history but British history you know and I know obviously everyone knows the story of Robin Hood but then of, of course it was also you know the where the where the, uh, King Charles would you know raise the standard um, yeah there's a lot of the, a lot um, of key historical events yeah. that um, that we, we perhaps don't know so much about that, that don't get told so much um, the, the number of um, key events that have happened there with medieval monarchs, King Richard laying siege to it. Um, yeah. um, the young Edward III um, breaking in in the middle of the night to capture his, his mum's lover, Roger Mortimer, and then, and then getting him out where he was eventually kind of extracted and taken to London to be executed and things like that. There are some stories that you, you just wouldn't know unless it's kind of made a big deal of, and yeah. I don't know if that's always happened. So that's definitely going to happen. But I'm really interested in how we connect now with the modern city and yeah. it is a mu- it's a, a museum of the people of nottingham and of the city and so it has to be told by the people of nottingham and all of the people of nottingham so it, it has to include everybody and yeah. so that's a big part of my job and my passion for this this role and, and and the project is that we include all communities in this city in the telling of that story and we, we say to people look this is a great resource this is a great site uh, this is what we've got to work with and how do you want to do it how do you want to tell your story because if it's if it's the people's story it has to come from the people it can't be other other people saying this is what we think it is it, it needs to come from them yeah so that's what really excites me about about yeah. my work yeah and you i mean you talk there about some of the work you've done um prior to this role and obviously the working within communities mm. and schools and obviously one of the key parts is is getting getting the the history and the story out and drawing in people from 
all diverse communities that make up Nottingham. And obviously, I guess what how that's obviously really important to you. You can tell talking to you, but also about engaging people that maybe have struggled to to find to be drawn into this because maybe they don't feel like it's their story because obviously a lot of history that's taught is you know like, you know let's be honest a lot of the, the history that's told is is whitewashed mm-hmm. in this country and it's and there's often said that it's it's one of the ways to engage people is they want to see their stories in it it's got to appeal to them if they don't feel like it's their story they can't engage with it in the same way yeah it's about building trust yeah it's about from our perspective it's about building trust with um with the people of nottingham but yeah just really saying that we can't we can't purport to be a museum of nottingham if we're not allowing the people of nottingham to tell the story um so it's it's completely uh that's 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 absolutely the the perspective from from me and from the organization is that we we get out there and we we make sure that people feel a sense of belonging at Nottingham Castle and that they they know that it's for them it's their site and that hasn't always been the case and it hasn't always had the the right kind of image i mean if you just look at the building it's a great big stone structure that represents preservation of wealth and the elite and even the dominating big walls that you can't scale unless you've got a siege machine or a ladder <laughs> or something. So like, it's, it's a pretty obvious symbol of that elitism. Um, and it's part, part of my job and our job now to, to make people see that there is another way to look at it and that that symbolism isn't relevant to the 21st century and to, to now the, the 2020s. Um, and it really is a, a new birth for for the castle as a museum and as a uh, a cultural player. And that we, we yeah we we definitely want people to be involved in the telling of that story. We have to, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And I think, like I said, the, the focusing on the rebels and and rebelling against things, which feels um, a very very prescient at the moment. Uh, mm. In many ways, and, you know, it's something that. Um, I guess I think that's something that will definitely appeal to people, uh, particularly people like you say that, that that this story maybe doesn't talk to in the same way. Um, yeah. When you when you're sharing the story, those people that back you know that that were in that you know that back then it didn't feel a part of it, but you know said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I need to do. Or I'm uh, in my way when I rebel. That's, I think that's going to appeal to a lot of people. Uh, yeah, and I want moment. people to be... That's it. I want people to look at, at what rebellion means to them um, through activism or protest or riot or whatever else it might be or simply existing in, in a kind of foreign-feeling world. Um, and I, I want to look at some of the, the current organisations and, and events that make Nottingham continuously rebellious and different and ahead of the rest um, and places like the, the Nottingham Refugee Forum, uh, the Women's Centre, which is the largest women's centre in the country, uh, looking at um, our LGBTQ community and, and Nottingham Pride and all of the activism that they do. Yes. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of, lot of communities that can have a say in this um, and that need to have a say. 
Excellent. I think, yeah, and I've, I've often said uh, Nottingham, you know, definitely feels like a community that comes together in those ways. Like I say, it's a rebel, it's a rebel city and I think it still is. Um, and hopefully it's going to keep being like that. Yeah, I think it will. And it, but it's also about us recognising that things change and things evolve and the the nature of our rebelliousness or the kind of shape that that takes will inevitably change and the only way that we can represent that at the castle accurately how that changes that is is if the people who are making those changes are involved in the way in the work that we do so yeah we we have to have the people and their true voice represented in the work that we do and shaping the work that we do and actually have them working at the castle so yes. we, we want people from all of those communities working in the high up positions, influencing decisions and um, trickling it down really. Um, so we can, we can only be relevant and representative truly of what happens and the changes that happen in communities if we've got the very same people running our organisation. Yeah, definitely. Totally. Brilliant. Excellent. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your uh, afternoon. Um, that's all right. Obviously, yeah. like, like you say, um, at the moment, obviously, it's all hopefully um, February 2021 will still be the time. As you say, that's that's the target at the moment, as best Rust, that any, yeah. Yeah, as best that anyone can predict going forward. I mean, as things stand, it is it is that date. We're we're on schedule in terms of the work that we're doing. The only thing that can throw that off is a kind of unforeseen act like. Uh, a second wave perhaps yeah. but yeah it'll it'll all get delivered it's all locked in it's all planned it's all being worked on so it'll all get there eventually yeah, it's, it's, it's um it's coming yeah. yeah it's gonna it's i guess it's a case of a more case of how it's going to be because as, as you, you say i think there's there's a very good chance that even then we're still going to be under um at least some kind of uh, social distancing kind mm. of restrictions i think they could go on for for quite a long time yet um, yeah, but you know, it's just another another challenge. It's just yeah. another thing to overcome, which we will do. Yeah, we'll find a way around it, and uh, and it'll yeah. be it'll be fine, and everyone will get to see it. So yeah, I'm yeah, excited about everyone everyone seeing it once it starts. One of the things that that often comes up is is one thing you can say about these periods. Obviously, they're they're, they're very rough periods. They're going to be the very rough outcomes, but they do they do bring out. Um, a sort of a, an innovative and creative side to people because you have to adapt in different ways, which we've seen with things like, you know, the, the not stopping festival going virtual online. And, mm. you know, I, I recently spoke to the, uh, the Nottingham Refugee Week and they'd moved their, uh, their stuff online and they'd done a similar thing in terms of sending yeah. packs out to people. Because I think one of the things that I'd not, and, and perhaps I was I quit talking about how amazing the dig, you know the, the stuff that you can do now online is and, and that's offered opportunities that certainly wouldn't have been around you know even the school inside of it that I wouldn't have been available when I was at school but then there's like and you mentioned earlier there are still a lot of people that are cut off by that you know that don't have that access uh, and I know, like you said, you've been doing packs, and I know uh, the, the Refugee Week, they put together a lot of, of packs that they actually sent out 
and it's because it's about you know trying to get out to as many people as you can in as many different ways as you can at a time when a lot of people are feeling very you like you said earlier there's a lot of people at the moment that are feeling very isolated particularly those in 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 communities like refugee communities um mm. and another and communities all, yeah you know, it's, high, it's about doing high, both yeah um it's about yeah getting getting stuff out physically and digitally and um yeah just responding again to the changes in in how people want to to receive things like that um it might be that people get bored pretty soon and don't want yeah. packs anymore and that they just want to go out and that if the social distancing rules allow then then we might be able to do kind of outdoor events where we kind of keep our distance from each other but yeah. we we have something in a park or in one of the, the castle's outdoor spaces uh, something like that so yeah it's a constant kind of learning process and, and yeah process of adapting but it's again it's it's interesting because it is presenting challenges that otherwise wouldn't have been presented but also offering opportunities mm -hmm. for things that you may um I've, I've spoke to to people that have have said that some of the things they've done such as uh you know online taking their support groups online and in zoom and things like that they've realized in in those that there's actually an opportunity there to reach people that weren't being reached by just having the the physical groups and get-togethers so people right. that weren't you know so uh, people maybe in communities that weren't ready to weren't comfortable coming out to events or were too yeah. far away or didn't have the access in terms of public transport so it's it's there are there are things people have taken from this i think that will that will be taken forward even when we get out the other end of this in whatever way we Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah, there'll be lessons learned about, about yeah. what people can and can't do from home um, in terms yeah. of work as well. Uh, but yeah, like you say, like somebody might, might have a phone and they might be able to download our stuff online, but then yeah. they might not have the bus fare to actually go in to do a meet somewhere. Yeah. Um, so in that case, the technology is helping. Um, there might be a young person who's, who's, who's got a phone but the, they, they can't get into to travel so yeah we're, we're trying to do we're trying to cover bases really trying to do both sides of things um i've got a project at the moment with city of literature unesco nottingham city of literature and it's a, a project led by them we're assisting them with it and it's called letters of solidarity and yeah. for that one we're trying to get people to to look at uh, an activity pack and take inspiration from that and some some workshops that we're putting online and then to to write as in letters that describe their feelings about the lockdown period and, and things like black lives matter as well and so for that we're trying to send it out digitally as a downloadable pack but also physically to send it to specifically targeted areas where we think people might need the the physical one delivering yeah, excellent i think that's uh... That's interesting. It's something we've been, I've been trying to do at home is the, is we've been looking at like a, a document that's like almost like a time capsule type thing, because yeah. I think this is such a, an, an unusual, unprecedented happening, and one that hopefully won't happen again in any of our lifetimes. That I think this is something that's going to be talked about, you know, looked back on, for, for a long, long time. Yeah. And you know, I, I talked to my 
my kids about and I say to them this this isn't going to be the thing you're you know you're sitting telling your grandkids about about you know when you couldn't get to school for six months which it just sounds you know six months ago sounds unimaginable that that could possibly happen in 2020. Uh, I don't think we started talking about that until we were a good month or two into the lockdown when same thing with my kids when I was saying they were they were kind of asking me about when they were going back and how long this was going to go on for they're five and six so it's a bit harder for them to kind of yes. get their head around it but I was um I was starting to think yeah this is probably they're probably not going back until September I didn't yeah. say that to them but um that was back in April I was thinking that yeah but I've yeah. been I've yeah. actually been amazed by how well uh, kids have handled this actually and mm. like I say um I've got three kids uh, Seven, twelve, and thirteen, and the, the seven-year-old, the east. I think it's it's been quite difficult for him because he's not, you know, really. The older ones have still been able to keep in contact with their friends. You know, they've got phones and yeah. The seven-year-old doesn't have that same kind of ability to keep in touch with friends, and I think that's that's something that you you know you you constantly focus on the schooling and. You know, trying to get them doing as much as you can so they don't miss out on too much educationally, to a degree, mm. and keeping them engaged. But it's the, it's the, it's the community side, isn't it? It's the, it's the mixing and, yeah. and, and stuff like that. It's, yeah. My, my two are back at school. Um, they they went back. Um, not this when when was it? God, the the. Your perception of time is completely yes. as well. Another thing, it was probably yeah, it was like a week two ago. Yeah, they're, they're on like a, a one on one off, one week on one week off. Okay, basis. yeah. So yeah, they're off this week, but they're back next week, um, and then they're they're finished for summer. But they yes. were really happy to go back. Yeah, yeah. That's another thing that's throwing me out when I realised that. Oh wait a minute, we're actually only like two weeks away from what would be the summer holidays it's like because yeah. this it doesn't seem relevant <laughs> you know it's oh um that, that that's like crept up on us as you say i guess before yeah, we know it's... before we know it september will be here and then it'll be like trying to remember what the actual um, process is for all that you know? <laughs> trying to trying to remember what they actually need for school and things like that <laughs> new uniform <laughs> yeah yeah we've got a, a holiday planned in two weeks' time, um, only in, staying in the country, but yeah, but, yeah a little holiday planned. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm praying that we don't get like a, a second lockdown. Or oh, what, like Leicester ever? Yeah, yeah. Just holding out for that. Fingers crossed for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, cool. So before I go, uh, for people that want to to keep an eye on what's going on and keep on track, obviously I mentioned uh, at the. the website which is nottinghamcastletrust.org yep uh, which is and i know that let's say there's a there's a great blog on there that's kept up to date with various activities you've got going on uh, what about sort of social media wise what are the best places for people if they want to keep an eye on you know what what activities happening but also on how things are you know when things start to be announced in terms of of the uh, the launch and the castle reopening and things like that 
Uh, yeah, you'll you'll be able to to find that on our social media channels. That'll all all get a big push um, as and when. But in the meantime, there's there's loads of content that we we put up there. So we're we're doing stuff all the time. All, all the activities, the kind of things that I've I've said that we're doing. Um, so yeah, there's at Nottingham Castle on Facebook, and at Nottum N O T T M Castle on Twitter. Um, I can't remember the Instagram. Sorry off the top of my head but we have got an instagram if you want to check that out um and yeah we're, we're putting stuff out all the time so all of the collaborative projects that we're doing with people like uh city of literature um left lion and whoever else all of the, the community groups and schools and whatnot um all of the details of that work is is available through through our social media channels and yeah look out for 2021 for february when uh things will step up a bit more and in, in the months just before that there'll be a load of stuff that will build anticipation in the city. There'll, there'll be city-wide celebrations and, and events um, in the spring as well. And so there's yeah, lots of exciting stuff planned for, for the next uh, year, really. Yeah. Excellent. I think, I think there's a lot of us will be quite happy to see 2021. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I, I spoke to uh, recently before the whole lockdown thing happened, I record an episode uh with Luderati. Yeah. The cafe and I know they've done quite a bit of stuff with you. I know they were actually yeah. looking to do more stuff this year, but of course they they had to shorten that they've they've like just reopened. But that I think that was quite and I think you mentioned earlier about gaming and things like that. And that's mm. that's such a brilliant way because I think that's something that's um that's really engaging people at the moment. And I imagine during this period as well, I know we've I've done quite a lot of board gaming. I mean, we we already did quite a bit anyway, yeah. but it's it's been, you know, it's been great. And I think something that's, that people are doing more of, yeah. Yeah, and it's. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it definitely. And I know he talked about. I think they did a thing about the the history of Robin Hood in board games, which I think they did with yeah. you know, alongside you guys and things like that. So it's um, it's they've really done, great. Uh, they've done a few different board games. But yeah, they're, they're developing one at the moment for us, um, with us, um, around the Civil War. Right, so okay. that's a, yeah, a Civil War board game. Nottingham was a, a key location during the, yeah. the English Civil War in the 17th century. So that's, um, yeah, obviously Charles I raised his standard uh, at, the, at the castle. And yeah, there were back and forths there and the castle was held as a kind of parliamentarian stronghold and there was a bit of a back and forth with Newark and a few other locations nearby so it's um yeah it's one of our our richest histories that, that we can tell at the castle so yeah developing that board game is going to be a really fun uh fun little activity that's that's ongoing now but it's going to be yeah. a good one for people to, to kind of buy from the shop and take home and yeah my partner Emma's just said to me today that she wants to play a board game tonight so <laughs> it, there's definitely more of an appetite for it because we never play board games yeah, but yeah um, I think people will like that yeah we we uh, so we've we've got one actually called Pandemic, which is oh, <laughs> it right. seems, seems an that one. Um, but yeah, it's <laughs> uh, but it's, it's just it's one of those things, isn't it, that you can do, you know, around the table with a family. Um, and the board games have certain definitely certainly come on since I was a kid. <laughs> so, just saying, thank you very much for for speaking to me this afternoon. Thanks and, for uh, having me, Dan. Cheers. No, no problem. And uh, I hope you get to go away on your holiday and have a good break. <laughs> so, yeah.
Thank you. Awesome. And um, good luck to, to Notts County on their way back to the Football League. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Wait, that's it. You never know. Next, Maybe we'll uh, be visiting Field Mill next year. Oh, I'd, I'd absolutely love it if we could just go to any game. But yeah, Derby <laughs> yeah. would be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice one. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, a massive thank you there to Josh Osaro Pickering for speaking to us. Some exciting stuff coming on with the castle. It's fascinating hearing his plans for it, and we look forward to that. Uh, as I said, next week's guest is uh, award-winning author uh, Jasmine de Bilan, so be sure to tune in for that one. As ever, all episodes at ngdigital.podbean.com. Find us on facebook.com forward slash ngdigital, uh, Twitter at ngdigitaluk. And as ever, share. Please share the show. Please let us know what you think. Please give us a review. We love to hear from you. We get many more episodes planned, speaking to people. Take care of yourselves. Be careful. Things are opening up, but it's still important to be careful. Wear a mask. Follow social distancing. And we'll be back next week. Thank you.